What's up everybody? It's Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the shop. Still uh, trying out these video podcasts that uh, have been going pretty well on the YouTubes. If you do not follow me on YouTube, um, maybe you should give that a shot. Uh, I thank everybody that's uh, been following along, all the new subscribers, um, the shares, the likes, all that stuff. Uh, it's all helpful. I appreciate all you guys very much. Um, a lot of good feedback. Don't hesitate to, um, you know, ask questions on the uh, in the comment sections. And uh, those of you guys listening at home are listening uh, on your radios or whatever that aren't on YouTube. Um, you can still send your questions in or hit me up on the socials. Um, you know, if you don't know, it's it's Binder Boneyard pretty much on every platform. Um, I don't do TikTok. Uh, I don't do Snapchat uh, or any of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, so um, being that I'm in the shop, you may hear some noises. You might hear the uh, heater kick on, you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, so... Anyway, um, this week has still been a snowy, icy week. Um, the rest of the country has also been underneath a bunch of snow. So uh, if you guys are uh, dealing with that, I I feel you. So that's why if you're if you're watching, uh, I still have this travelette behind me, uh, which should have went out weeks ago, but because of the um, the weather. None of my equipment will get around outside. Um, I do have chains for one of my forklifts, but it doesn't have the capacity to move rigs around. Um, it's solely for material handling and parts moving, and, and I just can't get to the parts. Like We had freezing rain, and everything froze to the ground, and it was a nightmare. So um, that's why... Uh, stuff in the shop has been kind of moving a little slow because of, of the weather. Um, I have been driving a customer scout around to break it in because we'll be delivering it uh, here pretty soon. And uh, it gets around great. And that kind of brought me to the topic for today, which is setting up a scout for off-road use um and i you know i don't mean hardcore rock crawler uh maybe we get into that a tiny bit but um this is more for the guy with the stock scout or maybe is starting a scout build and has some uh ideas but you know not sure the direction to go so I think today we'll cover, um, you know, setting up a scout for uh, various off-road, off-road duties. Um, so the very first thing uh, is, you know, like I said all the time, is your budget, your skill level, uh, and you know, being realistic with yourself, uh, what you can realistically accomplish. Um, so being that it's a scout, 
you know, and you're trying to build something for off-road, it doesn't necessarily have to get done at a scout-specific shop. Uh, it helps. Uh, this is for the guys that are going to pay someone to build their truck. Um, you know, a general 4x4 shop can do quite a bit on the scout. Um, but, you know, if there's some scout-specific things you want done, you know, then it's, it's different. But, um, you know, uh, the first thing, if you're going to start with an early scout, um, 61 to 65, 80, which is the full down windshield, four cylinder, three speed version. Um, if you want to wheel that one, if you want to use it off road a lot, get ready to work your butt off. No power steering, manual brakes, um, you know, the three speed with no low gear, like it, it's a tough, it's tough. Um, I wheeled it, I've wheeled scouts like that before and it's, you know, it's an adventure. You spend a lot of time just, you know, try not to break your thumbs every time you hit a rock and the wheel spins around, you know, or you're slipping the clutch all the time because the gears aren't low enough uh, for, you know, a hard spot in the trail. Or the other way around, you've got a 152 that's tired, and you end up having to just rev the bejesus out of it to get any horsepower to get through mud or snow or something like that. So, um, you know, if you really got your heart set on, on wheeling an early scout, be ready to either make a lot of modifications or be willing to, you know, wear yourself out. Um, 800s, a little better, you know, they had V8 options, a little bit stronger axles, you could get a four speed, it's still a close ratio, so four to one, first gear, um, but, you know, same limitations as the 80, manual steering, manual brakes, that kind of thing, um, that's why a lot of people like the Scout 2 for use off-road, camping, wheeling, whatever, because they came power steering, power brakes, uh, 74 to 80s, you know, had disc brake front ends, and you could get a wide ratio four speed, so that's a 6.2 to 1 first gear. Um, the best is the 1980s, because they had Dana 300 transfer cases, so you could get a wide ratio with a 300, and, you know, and actually get some decent off-road gearing. So just you have to, you know, pick your machine and be ready to build, you know, build it accordingly. Um, what I like about the early scouts is that they're small. They get around good. They fit between things. They, you know, clearance, uh, body clearance and stuff I like a lot more. Um, you know, they they just have a little bit smaller footprint. They have the same wheelbase as a Scout 2. They're 100 inch wheelbase. So uh, what really the difference is is the overhang and approach angle uh, that changes them. So um, you know a lot of times if you want to wheel an 80, you you really got to consider a drivetrain swap. Uh, a lot of guys like the 4.3 Chevys with an automatic and a you know atlas transfer case or something with low gears so that you have the automatic the ease of the automatic with the low gears of a different transfer case 
Um, again, all this stuff costs money. It takes time. It's not an easy conversion. So, you know, you really consider that. Um, same with the 800s. You start with an 800, a V8 800. Then, you know, you can swap in a wide ratio four speed, um, maybe some low gears in your transfer case, and that gets you some off road prowess. Um, because that's the whole name of the game when you're wheeling is control. And if you are ricocheting off of rocks, if you are trying to squeeze through obstacles and it's you're going way too fast and you're slipping the clutch and you're overheating the thing, um, you know, wheeling becomes less fun. It really does. So, you know, the number one thing, I shouldn't say number one, one of the most important things is control. The number one thing, and I hate to sound like that guy, but uh, it's safety. Uh, don't wheel without a seatbelt. Like, seriously, uh, you'd be amazed how many people hit the trail with no seatbelt. Um, and the other thing is roll bar or roll cage. Like, those two things are an absolute must. I don't care if you're in a stock 80 with 30-inch tires and you live in the flattest part of America or whatever. You need to have some sort of rollover protection and a seat belt to keep you in the truck. Um, I mean, a lap belt alone goes a long ways in keeping you safe. Um, so that's important. So then, you know, like I say, control, being able to, to get through obstacles without being all crazy and out of control. Um, and that comes with having gearing, or transmission transfer case that lets you crawl through obstacles controlled. Also having power steering. Um, you know, yeah, there's plenty of videos on the internet of guys with manual steering getting through obstacles. And if you watch them, they are working hard. It is not a simple one hand on the wheel, you know, and you're just sawing it to get through it. It is two hands and they are just paddling back and forth trying to keep it pointed in the right direction and you know and those manual steering boxes are not very strong um, a lot of the ones on the early scouts were aluminum and the internals on them are 60 years old now and you know you're just asking for trouble so um, uh, you know I recommend power steering conversions on a lot of these and not just for wheeling not just for off-road but for general driving sure is nice to be in a parking lot and maneuver in and out of your spot without having to use both hands and slip the clutch and you know try to look over your shoulder and yell at your kids and you know all that stuff it's it's you know yeah i know our parents did it our grandparents did it uh because that's all that they had in the 60s but just because <clears throat> that's how it was then it's not how it has to be now so um you know, you might as well upgrade, upgrade while you can. So, um, brakes, that's another good one. Uh, at least front disc brakes. Um, that, that goes again, a long ways. You don't want to be coming down some grade and have terrible brakes. Uh, because again, if you're ricocheting off of ruts and rocks and you can't get through something, 
you know, if your transmission transfer case are geared too high and you don't have the engine braking to slow you down going down a hill and you need those brakes, you really need good brakes. So again, brakes and, uh, you know, that's great for control, great for safety. Um, you know, those are real things to consider. And now you're probably wondering why I haven't said anything about lifts and tires. Well, that's because you don't need a lift and you don't need big tires to enjoy wheeling. It definitely helps, but I have gone a long ways on 31s with good gearing, good traction aids like a Detroit locker or an e-locker and you know power steering power brakes and and just smart driving the really if you can get around on 31s uh you know you'll be that much better when you do move up to bigger tires so that being said i really recommend the gearing and control aspects first um because that will make it more enjoyable to use overall. A lift kit, especially on a leaf-sprung Scout and what's available on the market, does not give you the return or performance that you're hoping for that a you know gearing or power steering conversion or an engine swap or something like that will give you. Um, you, you don't get the same return because lift, lift kits usually ride rougher they don't flex as well as stock suspension they just all they do is allow you clearance for big tires and to get your differentials off the ground a little bit farther so you don't drag through the snow or the mud you know that's that's your basic off-the-shelf stuff if you want to the next level which would be like a spring over uh, or soa sometimes you'll see referred to online i am a huge huge fan of the SOA. I think, in my opinion, and some people will argue with me, a Scout 2 sprung over with a one-inch body lift, I know, a little bit of a body lift, and 33-inch tires is the best of all of the worlds. You still have the soft ride of the stock springs. You still get the flexibility of the stock stuff. Um, but you've gained five inches of lift by going with the spring over. If you do it right and you do the high steer steering conversion, so it raises that um, tie rod above the, or drag link above the springs and all that, um, that increases your off-road ability, improves the steering that kind of thing as well um you run longer shocks so you end up with a lot more performance and upgrades but while maintaining a sort of stock suspension uh, orientation and layout um and then of course the le the next level is you know coil over shocks with links and that kind of stuff which is you know crazy expensive not necessary for a daily driver um, not necessary for a wheeler to be 
functional unless you are going into that hardcore rock crawler uh thing you know then then uh you know it might be something to consider but like my wheeler i mean there's videos all over the youtube channel of me and my black scout that's just sprung over on stock springs with longer shocks and I've got 36 inch tires on my scout because I've sawzalled the wheel wells and it's, you know, a back half buggy. Now I go all over the, the hammers, uh, been all over some pretty heavy duty rock trails with that. And that's more than enough suspension to get through that. Um, does it go fast in the desert? No, it doesn't. Uh, it's made to go average speed and go slow in the rocks. So, um, so that being said, we talk about gearing, but I just barely touched on it, but we'll talk about traction aids. Um, there's a lot of different ones out there. There's the factory stuff, which were power locks up until 1971. And then you had track locks from 72 to 80 track locks are garbage. Uh, they break the cases all the time. The clutches wear out really fast. They're not great. Uh, track locks, I, you know, one out of 10 do not recommend. Um, power locks on the other hand are amazing. They are, you know, gear driven. Um, they rely on wheel speed to, you know, uh, apply the clutches. They work well. You can even make the clutch packs thicker. So they come on sooner and lock up harder. Uh, so power locks I really like for limited slip if you're talking factory stuff. Nowadays, um, like Eaton makes a true track, which is a limited slip. Great setup. You want something that's uh, an automatic locker that's more aggressive, you're looking at like a Detroit locker. Um, those are super heavy-duty, bomb-proof, good lockers, but driving on the street they're tricky to maneuver because they will lock and unlock when you go around corners, when you apply the gas, things like that. They, they act funny. So, um, Detroit lockers are great off-road, not so great for the street. Uh, the cheapest option and the most reliable is the spool, which locks the axle shafts together. Good luck driving on the street and not, you know, howling the tires everywhere. It will chirp Every time you go around a corner, you'll risk breaking an axle shaft if you're running stock axles on big tires. Um, so beware of the spool. Um, and then finally, kind of the high end is the selectable locker, like an e-locker or an ARB. Um, those are open differential when you're on the street, and then you flip the switch, and they lock up like a spool when you're off-road. Um, very nice. ARBs are kind of finicky. E-lockers can be finicky. Uh, so, again, uh, something to consider. They're very expensive. The upside to the ARB is you have an onboard air compressor, which can be handy for other things. Um, but, again, you're hauling more weight, more stuff, more things to, to add weight and, and complications. So, um, so, yeah, so if you're, if you're building an off-road scout, Think about gearing, think about traction aids, think about, um, you know, more control stuff. Like, like I said, transfer case, transmissions. You can get different gear sets for your transfer case. Um, they make a 315 gear set for the Dana 20. Uh, 
uh, or the Spicer 18, um, which that's, you know, considerably lower than factory. Uh, there's also a case that we sell that's kind of an in-between. Um, factory Dana 20 gear is 2.03 to 1. We sell a Dana 20 that's a 2.46 uh, to 1. Um, but it only works in manual transmissions. So I know that half a rotation doesn't sound like much, but it does actually uh, improve the off-road ability quite a bit. Um you know, I, my crawler is, a, is an automatic. Uh, I like the control that the automatic has. So, um, you know, if you're going to be doing a lot of off-roading, you know, some guys will swear by the manual because they're pretty bomb-proof. They're really hard to break. You can, you know, you get a wide ratio with that deep first gear and they're slow. You know, you got some crawl ratio, but um, I personally like the automatic because there's situations where you need to be able to go from zero miles an hour to 30 miles an hour of wheel speed instantly. And you can't do that with a manual because you're trying to shift gears and it, it's tough. So, um, you know, if you do go with the automatic, you might want to consider those low gears and the transfer case just to help um, slow you down some. Uh, you know, and then, like I said before about the lift kit and the tires, um, you know, the bigger the tire, there's, you pick up some capability, but there's trade-offs. You get too big of a tire, you start breaking axle shafts, you break wheel hubs, you break stuff, you overheat your drivetrain. If you're running an automatic and, you know, kind of tall gears, that torque converter is slipping like crazy to overcome that tire size. So, um, you know, if you're going to try and run something crazy, you know, you want to run 37s or 40s on your Scout 2, you better have, you know, 538s in the differential uh, to help offset that tire size. You know, I've seen guys do it all the time where they run 37s with 410s and they're just bouncing off of stuff because they don't have the slow control that you should have. So again, uh, you know, keep that in mind. If you're going to go, like I said, I like a, on a scout two, for example, and even an 80 or 800, if you've got an axle update, 33s really are a good all around tire. They're good for street. They're good for most off road. You know, you air them down in the mud or the snow. They do help. Um, you run a 33. I really like 373 or 410, 409 axle gears. Um, that way you can still drive it on the road. You can still do 60. You're not going to do 100. Um, you can still do 60. But you've got a little bit of off-road gear. You've got, you know, um, some control there. So, but if you're going 35s, you really should run like 456s um, or 488s. Uh, and then 37s, you should be 488 or 513. Um, just remember, though, when you if you're running Dana 44s, by the you start going up in gear ratio, that pinion starts getting smaller and smaller. So you get into the 538, uh, that pinion has like seven teeth on it so your contact patch is real small and you run the risk of breaking stuff so 
I kind of like that happy medium of the, you know, 409, 410, um, and, and the 33, uh, even the 373, if you're doing a lot of drive street driving um if you're towing with your scout you got a venture trailer or some off-road setup um or you're hauling a lot of gear in the scout you got a rooftop tent you got a bunch of shit like really i would consider the 410 um with your 33s uh yeah uh so just think about stuff like that um and then other updates that help that you should you know kind of down the line you don't have to have a winch right off the bat. Uh, you don't need a winch if you have self-control. That's a good way to put it. You know, if you can keep yourself from getting stuck uh, on stupid stuff, then you don't necessarily need a winch all the time. But um, having a winch is super helpful, uh, especially if you're in that early phase where you might have one locker, you're still on 31s, um, you know, you're, you're wanting to get deeper into the off-road stuff, but you really, you know, you need something. So I, you know, a winch is a good, a good thing to have. Uh, the other thing is, is don't go wheeling by yourself. Like really try to have somebody else there with you in their rig. One, you know, for help with recovery having another set of hands there with repairs or anything like that because you do run the risk of breaking and damaging things when you're out in the woods. So having another rig there is great for safety, security, uh, and then it's nice to have somebody to share the fun with, you know, take pictures and sit around the campfire, do whatever. Like it's nice to have another another rig there. So that, you know, that's kind of airs on the safety side of things. But uh yeah, having a winch and knowing how to use it, making sure you have the remote on you all the time, because I know guys that went wheeling and then left the remote in the garage. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, and then, you know, the final thing is, is spares. Um, if you're going to spend some time off-road, you really need to make sure you have basic tools, um, you know, having like one of our medicine cabinets with your fluids in it, uh, it's super helpful. And then you don't have a milk crate in the back of the scout that's sliding around everywhere. Um, you know, and then having tie down points in the bed so that you can secure a toolbox, uh, secure parts and pieces. Uh, you know, I recommend when you're going into the back country, as far as spares go, no matter what, even if you're a stock scout and you don't plan on doing any wheeling, but you're headed out away from civilization, spare tire, a jack, the tools to remove the tire, uh, a recovery strap that's at least, you know, 20 to 30 feet long. Uh, like I said, fluids, small tool kit with your basics. Um, just so that you can maybe repair something rattles loose, something comes apart, you can still put it back together. Uh, a small assortment of nuts and bolts uh, in case something does come apart. Some duct tape, some bailing wire, some zip ties, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Jumper cables, uh, you know, the basics. Like, don't leave the pavement without some of that stuff. And a lot of that stuff you should have on you anyways because, you know, sometimes these trucks break down in the 
Starbucks parking lot and you need a jump or you need whatever. It just happens. So, you know, and then as the rig grows, as it becomes more capable, you know, things to consider carrying are maybe another rear drive shaft, uh, axle shaft, uh, U-joint, maybe another locking hub or a drive flange, um, you know, a patch kit for your tire. Because, you know, I've been on runs where guys will puncture two tires in a run, especially if it's real rocky and you live in an area where the rocks are real sharp. So things like that to consider. Um, Air compressor, onboard air, if you have the ARB or if you need just a 12-volt air compressor, it's, it's good to have on there. So, you know, so if you look at the whole lineage of the build, look at making the truck more controllable, power steering, power brakes, or disc brakes, better gearing, traction aid, safety. Then you look at lift kits, bigger tires or suspension systems that work better, bigger tires, uh, maybe revisit the gearing and the traction aids, spares. Um, you know, Don't forget communication, I guess, in that spares list or the tools list. Uh, make sure your phone's charged up. Make sure you tell people where you're going. Make sure if you've got a CB or an FM radio that you can transmit with, uh, make sure that's charged up and you know you know how to use it. Make sure you, if you've got GPS of some sort, you know, make sure you have that. Um, but you know, I guess that's important too. But anyway, um, those are kind of my things. You know, I didn't mention much about protection as far as skid plates or rock sliders, stuff like that. Um, that is kind of personal preference. Uh, I know a lot of these scouts are real rusty on the bottom, and if they get hit with a rock, so be it. But if you got a nice scout, you might want to consider some rock sliders just to be safe. Um, they're not foolproof, and they're not, they're not the end-all of protection. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, but yeah, um, hopefully all that made sense. I'm sure there'll be some people that want to argue with me about certain things, but, uh, my experience, that's kind of the progression that it should go in. Um, don't run out and buy a lift kit and big tires and then complain when your transmission's burned up. Uh, but yeah, anyway, thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys. Um, like subscribe, share across the platforms. Appreciate it all. Um, shout out to my dad. Um, yeah, for everybody, stay warm. Uh, and then until uh, next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Mm-hmm.